welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is When God Winnows by Pastor Sean Wood. And uh, the, the car flips and rolls and it comes to rest. Would you have to believe it? Right at the front of a driveway. At some time, both of them are knocked out, the bride and the groom. They, they're knocked out, but they the first one to wake up is the groom after some time. And as luck would have it, as he peers out through the broken windscreen, he sees a sign that says, Doctor. He turns to his bride, who is obviously in need of medical attention. She's injured badly, so he... He wrestles himself out of the car. He wrestles his bride out of the car. He makes the long journey up the driveway and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And finally, an elderly gentleman comes putting on his gown and and putting his glasses on. And as he opens the door, here is a man on his doorstep holding his bride who is bleeding. He says, sir, I need your help. The doctor, as he's fixing his glasses, says, he says, he says, I am so, 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 so sorry. He says, but I am no longer licensed. I can't help you. That young man stands, looks at the doctor and he says, sir, the way I see it, you have two choices. You start practicing medicine, or you take down your sign. Some months ago, I was reading the book of Acts. I was reading Acts chapter 3. I read the account of Peter and John as they're walking up to the temple, and here we have a beggar right on the doorstep of the temple. And I love the words of Peter. He says, gold or silver I do not have but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so the question that God asked me and the question that I want to ask everybody in this church this morning is, what is it that you have? We have a bleeding world right on our doorstep that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the question that comes to me and the question that comes to us as a church is, what do we have because gold and silver and programs and flashy buildings aren't what our community needs. And if there isn't hurting people out there, there's just as many in here. Recently, we had a leadership meeting as a church the elders and the board came together and asked ourselves a lot of questions, but part of that process is how do we move forward? What is it that we have? Because there's a reality attached. We can have the biggest buildings. We can have all the flashy programs and ministries running. But are we actually healthy? You see, for some time... I've been going to the gym, and, I, and all of you just said, of course, we can tell. But <laughs> that's what you were saying, right? Yes. It's Father's Day, you have to say that. 
But I realised something. Uh, uh, I remember when I was at the hospital and I was walking around the hospital cleaning, uh, I got on the scales one day and uh, a voice from the dark came ringing out of uh, one of the rooms. They lie, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, God bless her cotton socks. I think she was right. But I found something uh, recently. Uh, I've undergone what they call an in-body scan. And I, and I realised something, because a lot of people at the gym have been doing these in-body scans, and, and although you have your clothes on, friends, you feel naked. Uh, you, you learn about percentages of body fat and muscular, skeletal, whatever else's, but I realised something, you can be upstairs lifting all the weights and you could be the fastest person on the cardio machines and be desperately unhealthy yeah, on the inside. Amen. You could be like me, you get on the scales and they, and they say one at a time, please. <laughs> But, it, but it's because of my muscle, right? Because muscle, muscle weighs more than, more than fat. Everybody said amen. But for a moment, using the analogy of a gym, you can go to the gym all you like and it doesn't mean you're any healthier. You can come to church all you like, doesn't mean you're saved. You can come to church all of your life. You can sing all the wonderful songs and do all of those wonderful things. But are we truly healthy? You see, my prayer, and I know the leadership's prayer is this, that God would use us to impact this community. And we need God to move in power. We don't have the answers. I can't save anybody, and neither can anybody else in this room. What do we do to a bleeding world that's on our doorstep? What answers do we have? Well, I believe Scripture helps us. And, and I believe that God has a message for us all today. Uh, many people know that every now and again I go fishing. And there are what we call in fishing terms golden streaks where... You turn up fishing, doing what you normally do every other time, but for some reason today, you can't do anything wrong. The fish are almost jumping in your boat, right? It's never happened to my boys either. And, you know, all the fishermen puff their chest out and they go, they, they try to tell you that they predicted it. But, you know, every fisherman's looking at those moments going, was it the moon phase? Was it the wind direction? And although there may have been atmospheric conditions that played into it, the reality is we didn't, as fishermen, didn't have any control over it. We were there. We were ready. We were prepared. We were fishing. So, therefore, we reaped the benefits. And when God moves in power, uh, it's not going to be according to the constructs of man. Uh, it's not going to, no, every man, and there's so many that say that they can predict it, and there's prophets on YouTube everywhere that are predicting all sorts of weird and wonderful things, but history tells us this, when God moves in power, it's always a huge surprise. Always, because man doesn't plan anything. However, there was just such a moment in history when God was about to move in power and there was a man. Let's, let's read the context and see what God has to say to us this morning. Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria, 
and Traconicus and Lysanias. What's wrong with Bill and Ben, right? And Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. And I'm just going to pause there for a moment because we've just had a short list of the who's who. Uh, This is from Caesar Tiberius all the way down. You don't get to read the Gospels of Jesus Christ in the framework of once upon a time. You don't get that option. Why? Because Luke the historian says you can pinpoint a time when God moved in power. You can pinpoint the time in history when the God-man was in our midst. I want to tell you today that something is very similar. God is in our midst, but just like in the days of John the Baptist, I wonder whether what the world is waiting for is a revelation. The Son of God is about to be revealed and the culture and the climate that John the Baptist finds himself in is a very secular, hedonistic culture, not too far removed from what we're living in right now. Plays itself out differently, but the spirit and the heart behind it is the same. That's the cultural climate. Let's move on to the religious climate. And during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, and right there is a slap in the face to God. Why? Because there's never meant to be two high priests. And Annas would tell you that I wasn't the high priest, that really it was Caiaphas, but if you read the Gospels, they exercise the same authority and influence. So what is the religious climate that we meet John the Baptist in? And we've just had a list of the who's who, right? All the religious hierarchy, all of the governors, all of the who's who. And it's going to be interesting that when the word of God comes, it comes to a weird little dude out in the wilderness somewhere, dressed in camel hair, not cat's hair, dressed in camel hair, (laughs) eating locusts, wild honey, and a little bit of kale. (laughs) That's for free this morning. Spinach leaves, that's exactly right. The climate that John the Baptist stands up in is a religious climate that hasn't heard the word of God in 400 years. The last time a prophet stood up and declared the word of God was the prophet Malachi, 400 years before John the Baptist. We have a religious climate where worship has become ritualistic now. It's all about pomp and ceremony. It's all about going through the motions. There's no heart behind any of the worship. We have those that have set themselves up. You be careful, I'll get myself in a lot of trouble here this morning, but we have religious leaders that have set themselves up with dominance and influence. And I wonder today whether there are some similarities to the world that we live in today. I wonder whether there are some similarities in the religious climate. I wonder whether a lot of religion today is dry. I wonder whether a lot of it has become distant from God and barren, but it doesn't have to be that way. John the Baptist stands up, and it's interesting what God has for this climate. The Word of God. The Word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He has a very particular message. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The 
more about repentance in a moment. But I want to ask a question here. I believe firmly, I believe that God will move in greater and increasing power in the church. I believe he will do so in Australia and I believe he will do so across the globe. I actually believe that COVID has been a tool in God's hand to prepare his people, but also to prepare the people outside. question is, the challenge maybe is, are we ready? And how is it that we as a church can be ready? Uh, The leadership agreed when we met last Sunday that God has positioned and prepared this church and is continuing to do so. We firmly believe that God has, has... about how the work that he's done and is doing in people's lives. He's positioning us. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, I I love these words. And uh, just as an FYI, the, the book of Isaiah is so accurate in its messianic prophecies, uh, just on the messianic prophecies. It is so accurate that everybody said that was written after the life of Christ until until a little Bedouin shepherd found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And have a listen to what the prophet Isaiah has to say about John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to help us understand how we as the people of God can do just that, make his path straight. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist is God's herald and the position and the vocation of a herald in the first century was that they would walk before the convoy. They would, they would walk before the king when, when he was journeying somewhere. When he was going somewhere, uh, the herald would go before ringing a bell saying, prepare the way, the king is coming. He would announce the arrival of the king and it meant for everybody that was listening, make the paths straight. Come out and, and clear away the debris. Clear away the rocks and everything that's in the way and make the paths straight for the arrival of the king. That's the message John the Baptist has in a climate that's not too far removed from the one that we're in today. Goes on and says, every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight. What is the prophecy declaring? There will be the removal of every hindrance for the arrival of the king. And so the message to the church today is prepare your hearts, remove those hindrances, we, hindrances like unrepented sin. We're going to get to those in a moment. Hindrances like half-hearted, insincere worship. You see, what John goes on and says is that we should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And what John is saying to the religious leaders is, let your words and your life balance out. Jesus said it this way. Some of you will say to me, but we prophesied in your name. And some of you will say, but we healed the sick in your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. I don't want that 
for any person in this room. Happy Father's Day, right? I don't want that for anybody in this room. And the difference in that conversation is that there is a relationship, not just outward performance. You see, when it comes to the gym life, just because you're thin doesn't mean you're healthy. There could be really deep problems with your health and you can be enormously thin. And I've been in the gym with people who are reasonably big-boned. That's the only way to describe it. But they are reasonably healthy too. And how does that transfer into church life? Just because you have a church that measures into the thousands doesn't mean everybody's healthy. Doesn't mean they're unhealthy either. But health in church life isn't measured by how many people are sitting in the seats. It's about the relationship we all have with Jesus. John the Baptist came with a very radical message, so radical it's going to cost him his head. I like mine attached. Verse 7, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptised by him, and if you read the other gospel accounts, those crowds are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus will say to them later on, he will say, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? What? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, 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 no. Those guys are in the palace. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Jesus says, you went out to see a prophet. You wanted the word of God. And here's a a huge encouragement to me and to the leadership and to everybody that that leads in any capacity in this church. There is a growing hunger for the word of God amongst God's people. Not just here, but abroad. People are hungry. Hungry for God's word. Hungry for a, a deeper, more sincere relationship with God. People are for that. Let's keep moving on. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, says John, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. What's John saying? Don't just rest on your laurels. That's what the Israelites were doing. Oh, we've got Abraham as our father. It's okay. Uh, We have a a connection with God because we're an Israelite. What John is saying is your connection with God is about the heart. It's about a relationship. It's not about who your mum and dad is. It's not about whether you go to the temple on Sundays. It's about your heart. Even now, I love those words. I don't know. How, I wish I had a dollar for every time, I, particularly growing up in church circles, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, you know what, I'm just going to sort out this, 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 this and this, and then I'll get serious for God. John the Baptist says, even now, which brings an absolute imminence to the message that he has. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And, and I, <laughs> you do with that verse what you like. Uh, when I was in the forestry, uh, we used to have option two woodlots, which was all about producing a, 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 a coop of peeler logs. They had to be high-quality peeler logs. And part of that process was anywhere between the 12 to 15 year mark, they would send us in to do a process, what they call gas axing, which was basically release thinning. And you would have Roundup in a backpack and you all of the trees that were not growing, all of the trees that hadn't grown or produced or done anything, you would remove those trees. And then all of the other trees could absorb the nutrients. Jesus says... 
I am the true vine, every branch in me, there's the most important part, in me, that does not bear fruit. When God comes to his vineyard, God is looking for fruit. Verse 10, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptised and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorised to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. What's John saying? Let your actions line up with your words. For the military people in the room today, repentance means an about face. You see, the Christian life is not defined by perfection, but it's rather defined by direction. And preparing the way for the Lord looks like turning away. Turning away from bitterness and unforgiveness. Turning away from those idols that we often keep in our hearts. Turning away from those things that would keep us from God. Remember the writer to the Hebrews says that we should not let the sin entangle us and throw off every weight, every hindrance. I'm going to bring this to a close. What is the one thing? I love what, I love what John the Baptist promised about Jesus. I believe it is the answer for us as a church. Let's work our way down. Verse 15, as the people were in expectation. I love that word. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptise you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming. This is what the church of Jesus Christ needs, friends. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you. He will baptise you. He will baptise you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What we need, what I pray for, is that God would baptise us with the Holy Ghost. Notice who the one is that's doing the baptising. I can't baptise you. Jesus is the one that baptises. And I want to I put some framework around that and I also want to clarify what I mean by that because this is enormously powerful. And it's for each and every one of us. If you speak in tongues here this morning, God bless you. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. And, and there is a blessing available to every Christian where you can experience a prayer language, and I pray that you do so, but that is not baptism in the Holy Spirit. You will read in the book of Acts that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. And I would urge you and I would exhort you and I would encourage you to seek a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. It requires being empty. That's what repentance does. It empties us. It requires being empty. But baptism is enormously different to just speaking in tongues. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I I, I don't speak in tongues. You are not inferior to anybody else. I would just encourage you to seek that and, and to pray for that. That's a sermon for another day. But when it comes to baptism, I love what is unpacked in that word, in the Greek word of baptizo. And for the 
And for the uh, chefs and those that uh, do any cooking, you'll, you'll understand this process a little bit. But I like pickled cucumbers. Any, anybody else here like pickled vegetables? Yeah, everybody. We kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wasn't aware that there was a two-step process for that. First one is that you take a cucumber. We don't use kale, brothers and sisters. But we take a cucumber and you dip it in boiling hot water first. And that is a dip. You, you literally just you, you dip the cucumber and you take it out. Then you baptizo yes. yeah. that cucumber in vinegar. And you know what? You can come back two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. You can come back two months later. And that still looks like a cucumber on the outside. But something very radical, something very profound has happened on the inside. That vinegar has permeated every part of that vegetable. Every bite you take, every atom, every molecule is saturated in that vinegar. And that's what John the Baptist has promised for every believer here is that Jesus will take us and baptizo us in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that when you go to work, you are saturated in the Holy Spirit. That's what the world needs. That's what the community needs. Not another, not another program. Yes, let's have programs. Absolutely. Let's buy buildings. Absolutely. Let's decorate and do all the works we need to do. God bless all of those. But that doesn't answer the problem. There is an illness. There is a sickness that is not only out there, but it's in here. And we need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Nothing less than that will do. And the dipping in the water, the preparation for that is repentance. Where we let go of all of those things that are holding us back. We let go of those addictions. We let go of those things. We don't allow. You can't have the fullness of the presence of God and still have bitterness and resentment for the person across the room. You can't do it. Maybe today's the day you pick the phone up. Happy Father's Day. Why? Why am I so passionate about this? Why are we as a leadership so passionate about this? Because of the next verse. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor to gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire so with many other exhortations he preached good news to the people sounds like good news right I've got some good news for every person in this room happy Father's Day here's some good news for you the good news is Jesus wants to baptise you in the Holy Spirit For too long, the church of Jesus Christ has allowed hindrances. The word of the Lord is prepare the way for the Lord. For everybody that was listening to John in the first century, they understood exactly what he meant when he used the word winnowing, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably lost on most of us today. In the process of harvesting grain and wheat, there was a few processes. Process number one, of course, you put in the sickle, you bring in the wheat, you, and you would lay it on a huge threshing floor. 
anybody ever heard the verse, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain? That's part of what's going on here is they would use these huge, great big wooden weights and they would drag it, the ox would drag it over the threshing floor and, and would break up the grain and separate the grain from the chaff. And, uh, and in a metaphorical analogy this morning, I believe COVID and many other things is God working on his threshing floor, beginning to separate the chaff. Uh, there are, there's, God's been doing an enormous deep work. But then there was the process of winnowing. And after you had done all that, what would happen is that uh, the farmer would come in with a huge pitchfork and he would pick up everything all at once and throw the combination into the air. A little bit like what's pictured here. And all of the chaff. All, all of the stuff that didn't have any substance, all of, all of the lightweight, unsubstanced stuff would blow away in the breeze. Yes. But all the heavy grain would fall back onto the threshing floor. And so I ask you today, which best describes your relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? Because if we are chaff, we will be blown away in the wind. My prayer, Lord, use us. The prayer of this leadership is, Lord, use us to produce grain. So that when he winnows with his winnowing fork in his hand, and I pray that he would come into the hearts and lives of every person in this room with his winnowing fork and separate the chaff in your heart. Our prayer is that if you find your children in Kids Rock, if you find your teenagers, which is why we're reconstructing how we're doing youth groups at the moment, if you, if you find yourself in life groups or on Sunday night, that we are intentional about being tools in God's hand to produce grain. I pray... I don't know about anybody else in this room because I know you guys have got it all together, but I know I need God to soak me in the Holy Spirit. I know that there's often far too many hindrances in my heart. I've come to learn, and some people in this room have been a Christian longer than me, couldn't believe it either. Look at all you young people in the room this morning. I couldn't believe any of you would have been older than I am. When we, had a, when we had an over 60s group, I couldn't believe anybody fell into that bracket. <laughs> but I know we all need the baptism in the Holy Spirit and I have found that repentance is not a one-time thing. In fact, every morning I've got to live a life of repentance, turning away from what I want, turning away from those attitudes turning away from cats. <laughs> I, I don't want to keep anybody this morning. But if, if God's been playing on the strings of your heart and you need prayer this morning, then we don't want to remove that opportunity from you. We're here to pray with you if that's the case. But, friends, I wanted you to know our heart here as a church and as a leadership. 
is that God would use us and baptise us because right on our doorstep is a bleeding world and we have the medicine. And that medicine won't be found in programs. It won't be found at the next theological lecture about trying to describe the Trinity. It won't be found in any of those things. It's found in a group of people baptised in the Holy Spirit who say, gold and silver I do not have, but what I have... I give to you. Let's pray. Father, I pray a very dangerous prayer this morning, but I pray that you would winnow our hearts, removing the pests, removing the chaff. Father, I pray that you would take every person in this room Lord, baptise us in the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you have come to baptise us in the Holy Spirit. I pray for repentance. I pray that every heart would prepare the way for the king. I pray that every valley would be filled and every mountain brought low and that, Lord, you would find the crooked ways made straight and every hindrance in our heart removed. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.